Please hear the word of the Lord as read in our hearing this morning in Psalm chapter 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers are evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in the moment. So now, Father, we are asking you to speak to us by your word. We're asking you to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts, our whole being, to the truth of who you are, and we're asking that you would take your word and minister to us. We're knowing the turmoil, the hardship. debilitating illnesses, the struggles with sin. The struggle with hope, the struggle with grief, the struggle with brokenness that dominates humanity and is very present and real. Even in this room today, I am praying that you would give joyful confidence and faith and peace that bears much fruit. Lord, this is our earnest prayer today. This is our plea. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 6. Psalm 6. If, if you're new to the Bible, that's like right in the middle. Just kind of right down the middle. It'd be very close. Psalm chapter 6. Um, here at Redeemer, we're spending some time in this book known as the Psalms, which is a collection of 150 prayers, songs, individual prayers, corporate prayers, individual songs, corporate songs. But this book is about approaching God. This book is about speaking to the Lord. This book is about pleading and pleading with God to hear and to answer and to work in His people. And so we spend time in these Psalms because they teach us, because they help us, because they open doorways for us to have confidence and hope that maybe we didn't have 
beforehand. They remind us anew of the goodness and the mercy of God. And so we run to these to learn. And we, learn, we run to these to find hope. So what you have in the Psalms is the highest of highs. And the lowest of lows. So what is true of the Psalms is that they're not all happy, nor are they all sad. But what's true is that God ministers to His people on both ends of the spectrum. And what's true is that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is present, and Jesus is worthy of worship at my highest high, and Jesus is Lord, Jesus is present, Jesus is ministering, and Jesus is worthy of my worship and my prayer and my pleading at my lowest low. So last week, we introduced this category of God meeting us in our hardship. And I'm using hardship as a broad word for the consequences of sin, illness, brokenness, Grief, depression, doubt, fear, guilt, shame. I'm using hardship as, as an all-kind-of-encompassing word to, to cover all of that, okay? So if you're here today dealing with physical malady that's debilitating to you, when I say hardship, I'm speaking to you. And if you're here today dealing with the consequences of sin and rebellion against God that you know is wrong and that you are repenting of, that you're hoping to find deliverance from, when I say hardship, I'm speaking to you. And when you're, if you're here today and you're dealing with grief over loss in your life, when I say hardship, I'm speaking to you. And if you're here today and you're dealing with depression and a cloud that will not lift, when I say hardship, I'm speaking to you. And if you're here today and you're dealing with anxiety and fear and an absence of hope, when I say hardship, I'm speaking to you. So I don't mean to minimize anything. I just need a, a, a summary word. And so our summary word for today is hardship. And it's intended to encapsulate all of that. So last week we introduced this biblical category known as lament. The Psalms are filled with lament. And lament simply means coming to someone expressing grief and sorrow and wish for things to change. So we must say there's a, a Christian biblical form of lament and there's just a lament. And so I want to call you to a Christian biblical form of of lament in the face of hardship and angst and fear and brokenness and sin. And this particular... So I'm not going to re-preach last week's sermon as much as I would love to. But you can go back and listen to it on this thing called the internet. With this thing called a podcast. Sorry, an aside, I hadn't even gotten to the beginning of the sermon, but an aside, I, I was spending some time yesterday with a friend of ours um, who, as far as I know, doesn't participate in church anywhere, and, and my friend said, I listened to one of your podcasts, and I was like, yeah, that's almost like apologetically, and I'm like, yeah, that's why they're there, like, thank you, 
used as desired, right? So anyway, that's the purpose. They're there to listen to. So you can go and listen to last week. I don't want to re-preach that, but what we saw last week is that, that lament is honest, lament seeks truth, and lament looks to God. But here's what Psalm 6 adds to this. I think when Christians look at hardship, we think instantaneously, right? If you will just look to God once, then your hardship will go away. If you will just pray earnestly once, your hardship will go away. If you will just repent once, your hardship will go away. We never dare say it. But we, we talk to one another that way. Like, like there's going to be this instantaneous darkness to light, just do what you're supposed to do kind of talking about hardship. And what this psalm reminds us is that not only is God with us in our hardship, but God often leads us through prolonged hardship for the purpose of showing His prolonged faithfulness. And God often leads us through prolonged difficulty to show us that His faithfulness and keeping of His Word is also prolonged. And so what I want to speak, this is the, like if you're not really interested in listening to me for the next 30-ish minutes, this is what I want you to take away today. That when your hardship is prolonged, the invitation to Christian lament carries with you every step of the way. And and Christian lament is simply looking to the Lord to say, God, would you help? God, would you heal? God, would you deliver? And so as you and I and we together walk through prolonged hardship, I want to call us to prolonged seeking after the Lord and prolonged lament and prolonged crying out to the Lord. Because in reality, prolonged crying out to God is what faith looks like. And often, our hardships and our difficulties and our illnesses and our anxieties and our fears are gifts to drive us to depend upon God. And I know if you're in the midst of that today, you're not feeling that at all. But I want to call you to believe it based upon the truth that's in Psalm chapter 6. So, when the struggle continues, Christ-focused lament is our continual response. That's the main point and I want us to see that from Psalm 6 today. So, so Psalm 6 is not everything we need to know about lament, but it's, it's, it's furthering the conversation. And it furthers the conversation by looking at prolonged lament because we're in the face of prolonged hardship. So first point, if you're one of my note-taking friends, I think basically everyone here takes notes except for me, so I'll just stop saying that. But the first point an honest approach. An honest approach. One of the things that overwhelms me about the Psalms is how honest they are. And how unflattering they are. 
And I believe that it would be the will of the Lord, that it would be biblical, and that it would be good for your soul and our church and God's glory if we could all channel some of the honesty and the transparency that the psalmist models for us. This particular psalm is David. But pretending that we're okay, pretending that nothing is wrong, pretending that we have to have it all together and act like everything's perfect because we're Christians is an offense to the, to the glory of God and it is a false testimony to the world of what it means to belong to Jesus. And I fear that Southern American Christians are the guiltiest people of that fake, we have it all togetherness. I need a word that I'm missing here. Of anywhere I've ever been. And so I am calling on us to channel the honesty of the psalmist. And if we're going to channel the honesty of the psalmist, then that means we as the church have to be ready to receive the honesty of the psalmist. So let's look at this honest approach. So this is not flattering, but, but basically what David's saying in Psalm chapter 6 is the struggle is real. To put that in the modern vernacular. Verse 1, I am languishing. I'm sorry, verse 2, I am languishing. My bones are troubled. Now, I've never known a bone to be troubled, but I think what he's saying is I'm languishing in such a way that it aches in my bones. My soul is greatly troubled. I am weary with my moaning. My bed is flooded with my tears. My eyes waste away because of grief. I am growing weak because of my foes who are against me. This is a very unflattering picture of any human. How much so the leader of God's people in God's place at God's time to be honest about the fact that he's dying on the inside. And this biblical approach to God has to be honest. We cannot move forward in repentance. We cannot move forward in faith. We cannot move forward in hope. We cannot move forward in love. We cannot move forward in unity. We cannot move forward in peace if we're not moving forward in honesty about what's going on inside of us. And David is modeling that for us. I think I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. The other thing David is honest about is that the struggle is not only real, but the struggle is ongoing. Do you know the repetitive nature of this? I'm weary with moaning when? Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. David's soul is so prolongedly troubled 
that he says it occupies every night of his life. Now perhaps that's a bit hyperbolic, but what you cannot read into Psalm 6 is this idea that David got honest with God and God took it all away and everything was better. David got honest with God and God met David in his honesty and because God was present, David could face tomorrow. That is very different. But yet, David's Honesty drives him to cry out and say, How long? How long? That's verse 3. My soul is grateful, greatly troubled. How long? So a biblical approach to facing struggle and hardship is an honest approach. We must be honest about the struggle and we must be honest about its ongoing nature. Because to try to pitch that which is lifelong as momentary is to not recognize the battle or the foe that we are against. So David is honest to show us the not flattering, real, ongoing struggle It's present in his life. Now, if you look at verse 1, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. That verse, and I don't think you have to be a Hebrew scholar to pick this up, leads me to believe that part of David's hardship is David's own sin. But, if you look at verse 7, my eyes waste away because of grief, it grows weak because of all my foes. It also sounds like that part of David's hardship is the sin of others against David. And sometimes, hardship is not because of our sin or because of the sin of others, but because we live in a fallen world. In whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we still must honestly seek the Lord. And if David, who is caught in sin, and knows that part of his hardship is his rebellion against God, if he can come to the Lord, and he can come to the Lord honestly, how much more we who are not doing so because of our own sin. We don't have to be ashamed to be honest before God. And now a bit of a pastoral application aside here before we move to the second point. I challenge you, I dare you, I double dog dare you to be honest with God before you are honest with men. Some of us love to run around and pick up the phone and make a phone tree to tell everybody how terrible our life is, hoping that they'll tell us we're really not that bad and we're really okay. And what we're really doing is we're avoiding going first to the one who knows most and is most able to do something, and that is the Lord. But we must Face our hardship in transparent honesty before God. But, honesty 
And transparency alone are not the goal of our faith. They're not the goal of our life, nor are they the goal of our hardship. Meeting God in Christ is the goal. So I'm 39 years old. If you're younger than me you've, and grew up in America, you've been taught to just get it off your chest, right? Just get it off your chest. If you can just get it off your chest, you'll be good. No! The goal is not to get it off our chest. The goal is to run to God and have God minister to us through His Son and by His Spirit. So this whole point, some of you have been like, Amen, brother, the church needs transparency. Amen, what the church needs is people that just put it all out there. Amen, what the church needs is people that will, will share and confess and be transparent, be honest, be authentic, be real, be genuine. We do need all that only if the goal is to meet God and to see His Word and His truth, not just if the goal is to get it out there so we can all go, whoo, I feel better next. That never works. What works is honesty that seeks after God. And that's the second point. Honesty looking to God. I simply want to point out two Whom is David speaking in this psalm? He's not speaking to one of his wives. He's not speaking to a good friend. He's not speaking to a paid counselor. And by the way, those are all good folks to speak to. But David is first speaking to the Lord. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Verse 2, be gracious to me, O Lord, Verse 3, verse 2, heal me, O Lord. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. David is addressing the Lord in his hardship. David is first bringing his honesty and his transparency to the Lord because he knows that the Lord will meet with him and the Lord will help him and the Lord alone is the one who shall deliver him. So the address of this psalm is to God. And what I'm here to say is that we first bring our laments to God. And as we bring them to God, then we can be honest before men. Then we can be honest with others. Then we invite others in to speak to us and pray for us and help us and minister to us. I'm not against the one another's. I only don't want the one another's to replace the Lord. And that's a nuance that deeply matters. Lament is honesty looking to God. So David says some particular things to the Lord. He says, please don't rebuke me or discipline me. Please be gracious to me. Please heal me. Please deliver me. How long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me. David is eager for God work. And so as we honestly look to the Lord in our hardship, we look to the Lord eager for Him to work. 
So, by way of application, do we look to God believing that He is eager to work for His children? Do we look to God believing that He is eager to help and to save and to restore and to heal? David is not just modeling for us honesty. He's not just modeling for us addressing God, but he's modeling for us crying out to God and specifically asking God to do specific things to address specific concerns in his life. Now, I want to introduce us to a, ten- to a tension here, right? So there's, there's one tension that is like, if you ask it, God has to give it to you. Okay, that would not be biblical, right? If you ask it in Jesus' name, God has to give it to you. That would be an unbiblical approach to, um, to prayer. God, I want a brand new grill on my porch by 3 o'clock this afternoon in Jesus' name. Like, God's not a magic genie. It doesn't work like that. But then we overcorrect because we don't want to be like that. So we overcorrect and we don't ask God for anything. And we just pray these very vague prayers like, Lord, if it might possibly fit within your eternal counsels to maybe possibly have a little bit of possible grace upon my possible struggle. I mean, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. But you know the nuanced prayers I'm talking about, right? Like we're afraid to ask. God, my mom is dying. Would you please heal her? That is a biblical prayer. It doesn't mean that he has to answer, but that's biblical, and we have every ground to ask it. Read Psalm 6. God, I don't know if I can get out of bed this morning and preach because I'm sad and my soul is weary, but will you help me for the glory of your name? That's a prayer that you can pray, and God will answer it. Maybe he'll answer by leaving me in bed and letting someone else come and preach. Or maybe he'll answer by giving me the energy to get out of bed and get here on time and preach. But either way, you can pray that to the Lord. God, I don't think I have the power to forgive my spouse for what they have done for me. But would you soften my heart and would you help me forgive? You can pray with that type of specificity. God, I'm hurting so deep. I don't know that I even believe that you are good. But would you help me? Would you help me believe that you are good? Those are prayers that we can pray. We can pray with great specificity about specific things for God to intervene in specific ways because He hears the prayer of His children in those ways. So lament is honesty seeking for God. And so if you're like me, I'm the guiltiest people pleaser in the world. I just want you to love me and be happy with me and think I'm the best pastor in the world and think I'm the greatest leader of God's people since Jesus. And I just need you to tell me that all the time. Please don't. Please don't. But deep down in my soul, like that's what I need. And I can't handle critique and I can't handle negative feedback because it just eats at me. And so... What I need is to want God more than I want your praise. 
What I need is to want God to enter that doubt, that fear, that hurt, and that anxiety and say, I am with you and I am here. And if I am pleased, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And you need that too across the board in your life. But I think we are settling for false replacements for God's approval all over the place. It's why Twitter exists. And Snapchat and Instagram and all of it, you're all guilty. Phone trees, every bit of it. But the reality of the moment before us is are we seeking for God to be present with us and God to minister to us and God to bless us? Or are we willing to settle for something far less real and far less powerful, but perhaps far more pleasing in the moment? What I'm saying is we're all addicted to spiritual, metaphorical Cheerios. They taste good going down, and you got a sugar coma, and you're starving in 20 minutes. Right? Pick your favorite cereal if you don't like Cheerios. So the question for us is, is our honest lament driving us to God? Third point, and it's really important that we grab this from this prayer, this song. Honesty pursues Honesty is looking for God to meet us, but honesty pursues faith. So the third point, honesty pursuing faith. Now, faith's a really churchy word that means a million different things to a million different people. But here's what I mean by faith. Faith is confidence in God and God's word and God's promises that, that changes what we believe and how we live. Faith is confidence in God God's word and God's promises that changes how we believe, how we think, and how we live. And so God calls people to faith in Him. Faith in His Son. Faith in His word. Faith in His promises. And what I see in this psalm in verses 8, 9, and 10 is a declaration of faith. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Listen. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. That's a declaration of faith. God has heard the sound of my weeping. I believe that God has heard me. The Lord, verse 9, has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. So what David is doing in verses 8 and 9 is he is declaring what the Scripture says that because he belongs to God, because he's in the covenant community of God's people, God hears his prayer and God will answer his prayer. And that is a declaration of faith. A declaration of faith that we need desperately. Then verse 10, because we never know what to do with the destroy my enemy stuff. Verse 10. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Now what's going on there in verse 10 is not us being able to say, if you're against me, God's going to cut you down. We don't get to do that. But you see, David was the king of Israel at a particular point in time. And God had promised that David, or a son of David, would reign over his people for all of eternity. 
And ultimately, God kept that promise in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ultimate son of David who ultimately reigns over God's people forever. And so David could say, verse 10, God's going to cut my enemies down, not because God was always for David, but because God always keeps his word. Does that make sense? So verse 10 for us might not look like God's going to cut down that person that angered me today, but it does look like God will keep every promise of his word that he's always made. And so verses 8, 9, and 10 are a declaration of faith that God is faithful and God faithfully keeps His Word to glorify Himself by serving and helping and ministering to His people. Now what I find so fascinating in this psalm is I don't think David accidentally stumbled into faith. I believe that his tears and his agony drove him to go looking for something to believe. His tears and his agony drove him to seek the Lord. And in seeking the Lord, he found the Lord's word and he found the Lord's promises and he believed them. And so what I want to say to you is not only does your honesty need to push you to God, your honesty needs to go looking for something to believe in. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. And if we have repented of our sins and believed in Him, His Spirit now lives within us to help us. He has, he has taken away our sin. He has reconciled us to the Father. We belong to God. We are children of God now and forever because of Jesus. And He has promised that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised that He'll hear our prayers and make them acceptable in the sight of God. He has promised that His Spirit will intercede for us in our weakness with words too deep with groanings too deep for words, he has promised that he will always bring what is most glorifying to God and what is best for us to pass in our lives. He has promised that. And our hardship must not just drive us to meet with God, but to look for the promises to believe in. So, so hear me, guys. In your despair, faith is not an accident. Faith is something that we have to talk ourselves into. It's something that we must go seeking after. And the only way I know to do that is to take up the Bible and read. Take up the Word of God and hear the promises. And I just want to give you a couple of them today. Just jot them down. Don't, don't try to flip because I'm going to go fast. Proverbs 15.29 just write down Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. Did you hear that? The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Who is righteous? He who is in Christ. He who has repented and believed. He who now is a child of God because of what Christ has done. We are declared righteous, and not only are we declared righteous, but the Lord promises that He hears our prayers. You see, verses 8 and 9 are not in vain. David is believing something like Proverbs 15, verse 29. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Just write that down. Since then we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Did you just hear that? Jesus 
has entered the earth and Jesus has been weak and been tempted in every way that we have. And so not only is he God, but he is man and he is able to sympathize with our weakness. Jesus understands what it's like to cry a river of tears in your bed all night long. Hebrews says he can sympathize with it. And not only can he sympathize with it, but he has given us an invitation to draw near to God's throne of grace through him and we through Him receive mercy and grace and help in the time of need. That's a promise that you can always believe. That's verse 10 for you. That's verse 10 of Psalm 6 for you. Romans chapter 8. Just put down the whole thing, but I want to give you some particulars. Romans chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. Paul writes, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Do you hear that? Jesus is currently, presently on the throne of God at the right hand, interceding for His children. Jesus is praying for you right now in your bed full of tears. Therefore, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, none of these will. If we're in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. When does the Spirit help? In our weakness weakness he's there for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god have you ever hit that moment where you have no idea what to pray yeah me too This verse promises that in that moment, the Spirit of God who dwells within you is interceding. That's praying for you in a way that is according to the will of God. What would be glorifying to God? That's a promise that you are able to believe. I wish I could keep going on and on, but that's that's four that I give you. Honesty about hardship seeks God, and honesty about hardship seeks faith in Jesus. And so in our continual lament, I want to invite you to honestly speak to the Lord, and speak to His people about who you are and where you are and what is going on, and then seek to meet God there And seek to believe God's word there. And seek to live for God's glory there. And I want to end this sermon with a story. Are any of you guys like me and you get annoyed with your kids? Anybody? Just me? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm the only one. But you know what it's like. Hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Son, dinner's 12 hours away. I have no idea. 
20 minutes later, hey, Dad, what's for dinner? I have no idea. Hey, Dad, what's for dinner? I have no idea. Then about 2 o'clock, hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Hamburgers. I don't like hamburgers. Hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Hamburgers. I don't like hamburgers. And then about, about eight minutes before dinner, while the hamburgers are already off the grill, wrapped up in aluminum foil with everything out on the table, hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Hamburgers. Oh, I love hamburgers. Right? Like, like every one of those, hey, Dad, what's for dinner? Like, if you're like me, your heart's annoyed, and you're like, if it wasn't a sin to hit you, I might think about it, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Now, here's what I challenge you to believe today. God is not like that at all. And all you parents can't believe it. And all you kids can't either. God is not like that at all. Isaiah said it this way, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, a God like ours who works for those who wait for Him. What Isaiah is saying is God works when we depend upon Him. He wants us to say, help me. He wants us to say, save me. He wants us to say, love me. He wants us to say, be kind to me. He wants us to say, meet me in my weakness. God delights when we run to Him. And Jesus said it this way, Luke chapter 18. Verses 1 through 8. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary." For a while the judge refused, but afterward the judge said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? God will not turn away the pleadings of his children. Our persistence is not a promise, a problem, excuse me, in his So look, I know that you are prone to feel like you're a problem to God because this is what happens when you call me. By the way, I'm a pastor. I'm paid to care for the flock of God under the authority and the leadership of Jesus. That's my job, right? Ring. Hello, this is Jamie. I'm sorry to bother you, but my wife just died. Like, that's, that's a bit hyperbolic, but it's like, you're sorry to bother me? Like, Really? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to call me. We're supposed to pray with you. We're supposed to encourage you. We're supposed to be there for you. We're supposed to help you. But if you're sorry to come to me, how much more deep inside do you feel like you're bothering God? No, no, no. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. A God like ours who works for those who wait for him. 
So I want to challenge you to believe that God wants you to come into his presence with your honesty, and he wants you to seek his blessing in your, in your debilitating doubt and fear and circumstances, that he wants you to seek promises of his word to believe in those moments. I believe that God wants that, and I believe that ultimately that's how God ministers to us. So let's learn from David, and let's go and be the people who can face tomorrow even though we are filled with pain and hurt and hardship because God is with us even then. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would help us. We pray that whatever has been said today that is right and true, whatever's been said today that would honor you, that you would want your people to believe, that you would, by your Spirit, work it deeply into this place and cause us to leave here in great faith and in great confidence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we're going to take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a meal which Jesus gave to his disciples. A piece of bread which represents his body, a cup which represents his blood. We take this as a remembrance of who Christ is and what he's done for us. We take this seeking faith in this moment. So here at Redeemer, if you're a Christian, if you have professed faith in Christ, if you have made that profession known, we invite you to take the bread and the cup with us. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, if you've never professed your faith in Christ, we would simply say, this can be the day. This could be the day where you say, oh, I believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for broken, sinful, hurting people like me, and I want to be delivered by him. You can pray that where you are now. You can come and talk to me, or you can talk to someone after the service, but, but today is, could be the day for you to profess faith in Christ, and we would invite you to do so. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, we would ask that you let the bread and the cup pass because this is a remembrance of what he has already done in the lives of his children. So if those who are serving will come forward now, and we're going to pass out the bread and the cup, we're going to sing, I'll come back up in a few minutes and we'll take them together.